0: Welcome back to Mending Moments Podcast. Uh, I know it's been a while since I was able to get an interview recorded and published, uh, and I am in talks with some others right now on potentially coming on at some point in time uh, to share their testimony. I ask y'all to be much in prayer for that. Uh, I have taken this time that's been allotted between interviews to um, try to put the podcast on every possible platform that will accept podcasts. Uh so as of right now we're on 14 different platforms. Um and I'll be sure to to post a link to every single one of them uh whenever this uh episode gets published and whenever um whenever I do like the Facebook post to kind of uh I guess announce its publishing. Um been been kind of debating on and and trying to to see where Lord had me to go next, and um, I feel like it's it's time for me to share my testimony. And with, with this testimony that I'm going to give, it's it's going to be my whole life. I, to say my testimony is just when I was saved, that there's so much more that God has done for me. And and I'm going to share some stories that are, that are pretty personal, uh, that not everybody knows. I'm not saying I'm going to start naming sins and naming names we're not going to have the Mississippi squirrel revival (laughs) over here nothing but um but I'm going to share some some personal stories about uh, what God has has done for me and the comfort and the peace he's given me in in the times of trials and storms so but I do want to I do want to start off I guess by going back to the beginning and then working our way here and um we'll kind of kind of see how it goes so um, I was born to Richard, but his first, my dad's first name is Richard. He goes by Robert Clark and Janice Clark. And, uh, God has blessed me with phenomenal parents that knew the importance of taking a kid to church, no matter what. And I, I jokingly say I was a little angel as a kid, but in reality, I was a hoodlum. I was a hellion, um, Anything i get my hands in, I did, and, you know, of course, there's funny stories in your childhood, but I know I didn't make it easy on them, but they knew the importance of taking a kid to church, and they knew the importance of showing him and teaching him and telling a child, you know, the the importance about Jesus and about having Jesus in your life, and and not only that, I mean, me and my, my adulthood now, my adult life, I can even look at them now and... And I know, you know, I, I see that good example they've set for me uh, throughout my life. And, but growing up, my, my dad would always tell me, dad was a preacher, and he would always tell me, um, you know, if you ever feel lost, go to the altar. Sometimes he'd tell me that directly. Sometimes he would say, if you feel something stirring in your heart, if you feel like there's something you need from God, something along those lines. He would tell me, "Go to the altar." He'd always follow that up by saying, "You know, and, and don't get up until you get what you went down there for, or something along those lines. Don't come up until you get that peace, or something like that." He would always, he'd always tell me that. And um, it was one night. And I honestly, I don't remember the date. I don't. I know it was nighttime. I don't remember the the the, the date or the time officially. I know it was a night service. I think it was a Sunday night. Uh, We went up to Community Baptist Church in Mount Airy, Georgia. And I remember being a little boy, and I was nine years old. I took a nap on the way up there. It's about 45 minutes from my parents' house. Of course, me being nine, I was with them. And um, I remember waking up and just feeling different. Not sick, you know, just felt different. And I didn't really know what it was. Until the preacher started preaching. Doug Forrester preached that night, and I don't even know what he said. I couldn't tell you what scripture he read. I couldn't tell you what songs were sung. I couldn't tell you anything at all. I just knew I was lost, and I had no hope. And I remember as a kid, I would, I'd I tell my mom, I need to go to the bathroom, and I would just go into the bathroom, and I'd look in the mirror, and I'd I'd say, hey, like, let's hold it together, Andrew. I'd, I'd tell my that. Talked myself in the mirrors. Like, hey, will just we'll get we'll make it home. And when we get home, I will pray beside my bed, just me and God. What you know? I just I'll just do that. I'll just do that. And in in reality, I truly believe that if I would have gotten that far to where I didn't pray there that night and give in and, and accept Christ as my Savior, if I would have waited till I got home, I truly believe God would have withdrew that that invitation to be saved before I got home. And I remember being there during an altar call, and they singing another verse, and I just broke down. And, you know, my dad sat in the front row. My mom was right next to me, and I just told her I need to be saved. And we went down to the altar. And honestly, I remember taking that first step. That's about all I remember, and I remember getting up and and telling them that I was saved. Um, Don't remember much of the in-between, to be honest with you. Um, but I know I had a broken heart and a contrite spirit and I accepted Christ as my savior. That night when we got home, you know, we started calling family members and, and my pastor at the time, Cecil Reeves, uh, we, uh, we, well, my parents were members of T Baptist Church. They still are, don't get me wrong, but at the time I, I, I had no membership. I just got saved. And, and something about me, I always, and I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to learn from my lessons. But I, I remember telling Cecil, I want to join the church. I want to get baptized. You know, I want to, you know. And then that following Sunday, we went to Chastity and they opened the doors and I was so scared and I didn't move. And I remember Cecil just looking at me and said, come on. you like waving at me with his arm. Like, come here, you know, come on, son. And and I just sat there <laughs> and I, I didn't move. <laughs> and I uh, my, my mouth wrote a check that I was not about to cash. Uh but there was a reason for that and we'll get to that here in a second, but uh we're we'll rocking on a, a few years. Uh, I think I was eleven or twelve, ten or eleven and probably around eleven. Uh my dad got ordained and was called to pastor a church in Oakwood. It was uh at the time it was Welcome All Baptist Church, now it's New Beginnings. Um I never joined a church, never got baptized, just kind of did my own thing, didn't really think about it. Um, and this is one story I don't, I haven't really told everybody. Um, every Sunday morning growing up, my dad would turn on the local radio station that played gospel music and he would play it while he was getting ready. And every Sunday morning we knew come around eight thirty, eight eight or eight thirty, he's going to put it on. And that meant it was time for us to get up and get ready for church especially pastor church in oakwood living in belonaga is about an hour drive and i'll say this my dad drove down there sunday morning sunday night Wednesday night never complained he was happy to be doing what god called him to do but this particular morning i heard the music start didn't really think nothing of it rolled back over in the bed and um I'm not saying i had a vision nothing like that but i had I had a dream i guess a dream where everything was just white and it was the it was like the the purest white I, I i wish i had the words to explain all this um it was the purest white i'd ever seen and it was all around me above me underneath me i turned around it was behind me and there was a feeling there of of peace Knowing no harm was going to come to me, but at the same time there was that feeling of authority, if that makes sense. Like I knew nothing bad was going to happen to me, but I knew that whatever whatever was there, and I didn't see anything. I just saw white, but whatever was there was was the authority. I guess if that makes sense. And again, I wish I could put this into words. Um. I remember it saying something to me and I turned back around real quick. I mean, it got my attention. I don't remember what it said, uh, but it got my attention. I turned, like spun back around and I remember waking up and and I had a burden on my heart that that morning to get baptized. And, um, you know, me being a young kid and scared, I didn't move. um, God had a reason. So... My dad, I went and talked to my dad that Sunday at church, and I told him, I said, you know, I, I need to get baptized. I need to join this church. And, and he said, Are you sure? And I said, Yeah, I'm telling you, God told me to. I'm 11, you know, I think around 11. And he said, Okay, we'll, we'll open the doors. And, and my own father got to baptize me. And that was, that's, that's, that's a memory that nobody can take away. Um, and then shortly thereafter, another couple of years or a year or two, and I was 13 years old, and, and God told me to announce my calling to preach. And I, uh, I didn't really want to. I was going to be honest with you. Uh, I wanted to run from it. I wanted to do anything else. It's one of those things, you know, Lord, I'll do anything for you, but just not that. And, um, but I remember the night that I did announce my calling. I was thirteen years old when I announced my calling to preach um i I didn't have the opportunity to run very far and I guess that's a blessing in of itself but um there was I guess some visiting preachers there that night or something like that on- I guess a Sunday night or wednesday night service and and i just- I just remember just standing up after everything and, and just having this I mean, just the weight. It seemed like the weight of the world on my shoulders. It's just like I couldn't, I couldn't escape it. I couldn't run from it, no matter where I went, whether I was at school or whether I was at home, or just trying to play a video game, trying to distract myself, or just watching a movie. It was always just there, pressing down on me. You know, you're called to preach. You're called to preach, and and of course the thought went through my mind: I'm 13. What do I know? You know, I'm, I'm just a kid, and. And I'd be doggone. I'd think that, and somebody would preach, or, or somebody would testify and, and mention Jeremiah, and even say things in Jeremiah about, you know, how God ordained Jeremiah to be a prophet, even though he was a kid, and and how he doesn't matter the age if he calls you, he calls you. And so I just I remember the night. It just it just became so heavy on me after the testifying and everything from floor preaching. If I remember correctly. I just stood up and I said, You know, the, these men talking about the home preachers have something that I want. And I just, I just said, I announced my calling to preach and I just flopped down in the pew. And I mean, because it, it was like the weight of the world it was just off my shoulders. It was off my heart. It was just, I felt like I could float just about. And the reality didn't sink in, you know, what what I'd just done. You know, I just, I just know I said, Lord, I'm going to be obedient. I'm just going to announce it. And, and, and and go from there and and it just I just flopped down. And I remember a guy coming over to me and just hugging me up and just just thanking God for for calling young man into the into the ministry and and of course, you know, that following Sunday morning I had to preach my first sermon, which was never easy. Um but from there, I wish I could tell you it's been Sunshine rainbows and and everything but it hasn't um, like everybody else I have a lot of regrets I've done a lot of stupid things uh, at one point in time I wanted just to be a normal teenager when I should have had the desire to be a separated person or a peculiar person I just want to be a normal teenager I uh, got a job, had a, you know, got a car, got my license. Boy, hey, I had the world by the coattail. and I was gonna do what I wanted to do regardless, and and even then, I was still going to church, and but I was not living a Christian life, and I was like I said, I got a lot of a lot of regrets, got a lot of shame and stuff that I did, and, and like I said, I'm not gonna start naming sin, nothing like that, but. God still looked after me. God still kept me safe, and God still blessed me. You know, there's 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 something we do to young people today that it just doesn't make sense to me, and even back then it didn't make sense to me when I was going through it. Uh, we tell an 18 year old, you need to know what you're going to do the rest of your life when you get out of high school. Put pressure on them. You figure if you're going to college, if you're not, you need to figure out what degree you want just put all this pressure on them and we wonder why young people suffer from anxiety and depression. Um, same thing happened to me. You got to know what you got to do. You got to know what you want to do. You got to know your degree. You got to know everything. You got to have this plan. If you don't have this plan, it ain't going to work. Your life's not going to, you know, you're going to have it all, all planned out. And I said, okay, well, I made a plan. I was going to join the military. I was going to get paid to travel around the world. Meet, meet, you know, different cultures and everything. and But in reality, I was having like a Jonah moment uh, where I wanted to, I wanted to get away. Uh, I had knew, I'd known, I had known, I knew up to that point God had a work for me to do and for some reason. In my teenage brain I decided I didn't want to do it <laughs> so I wanted to travel the world I wanted to meet new people let Uncle Sam pay for it all that soon became an impossibility going through MEPS and everything and I thought boy you know his plan I had I mean I had it and I was going to live to it to a T and it didn't happen wasn't living the most Christian life, wasn't trying to be in light for Jesus at this time. And all of a sudden, my plan came to a, a screeching halt. And during that time, God came to me, and I say this jokingly, but I say he thumped me on the forehead. But he got my attention, and he told me that he, I, he had a work for me to do. And it was about time that i be about doing his business. So I had to do a a course correction. And what I mean by that is I uh, was watching one night uh, some videos about World War II era battleships and how the huge, huge cannons they had on there would just, would fire these missiles for miles. I mean, their, their range was just ridiculous. But every time they would use those cannons, it would push that boat, that ship in the sea and push it off course. And so once they got through firing a volley of missiles or if they were in combat or whatever, uh, they would have to go back to sailing on course. They'd have a course correction. So God offered a course correction in my life, and I, I transferred. I was going to North Georgia College State University. I did ROTC, the the ROTC program for a year. Uh, found out that the military wasn't impossibility for me. Uh, went down to, to MEPS, and, and it was made very obvious that it just wasn't a possibility and that my my life plan had just crumbled all the way around me and I just didn't know what to do and, and I transferred down to Gainesville State and and down in Gainesville State it's a good friend of mine uh was going down there and he helped me through my course correction, whether he knows this or not. Um in the episode we did about miscarriage it was Daniel and Tara Goss uh daniel was going down there and later tara joined us after she graduated um and they had helped me through they, they have helped me through so much uh, i went down there and didn't really know what to do daniel was new to the faith daniel was new to the ministry um but he was so dedicated and, and he helped me spiritually to get back on track and and spiritually to come back to the Lord and be more dedicated and in just everyday conversation. And of course, we got some funny stories, don't get me wrong, but they're not relevant to this podcast. Um, but he just, they, they both helped me so much during that, that crucial part of my life where I was so, I guess, fragile in my walk and how I just needed to be picked back up and dusted off. and. <clears throat> But um, got to got to going to Gainesville State. Got to talking to Daniel a lot more, and just got so, just you know, dedicated to the church and and more and more dedicated to God and, and the call that He had in my life. And, and I thought, wow, you know, like I just, you know, I, I don't know what to do. Like I just, I'm just, I'm living by faith, and and. And I've been so blessed since, since getting back on course. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's struggles we may get into here in a minute. But the Lord has blessed me so much being back in the fold. Um, me and my dad have had the opportunity to help in a spring revival together. I really, really, really enjoyed that. And that is a memory that nobody could ever take away just me and him at Enon Baptist Church in, in Dahlonega. We just uh, went there for a week. And that Friday, it was, it was, I'm not trying to chase rabbits here, but on that Friday, you know, they it was my dad's turn to, to stand and to, and to preach. You know, I only went through Friday, so that'd be the last message. And he stood and delivered a message about, you know, being obedient to the Lord and, and serving him and only him, and and then they, they asked me after he got done if I had something, and I said, yeah, and I got up, and I read the last chapter of the book of Joshua about, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and so that night, they got, they got two sermons about, um, serving God, again, this is another story I don't really tell anybody, um, I don't even remember how old I was, when we went and served or went and helped in that revival. Um, but of course, that Friday night at the end of the revival, they get the the preachers up there and they shake their hands and you know thank them for coming or not thank them at all, you know whatever whatever they feel led to tell the preachers and uh, and the the pastor had his wife come up there. My my the, the pastor asked my mom to come up to the front. and It was just me and just had a phenomenal service. God's hand was in that service. The messages went out. The church moved. The spirit was there from the get-go when they were singing in the choir to the, the last amen. And, and and the devil jumped on my back so fast after that service ended. I looked there and I saw the pastor's wife and I saw my mom standing up there with my dad. And The devil just came in my ear and said, you know, you just by yourself. You don't have anybody spend the rest of your, their life with you. Nobody's going to want to do that. And I don't, I don't know about y'all, but when the devil comes to me, there's times he'll lie to me, but then there's other times he'll tell me the truth. And I go, huh. But he, he got in my head, he, he got, you know, that cartoon about the devil on one shoulder, angel on the other. And I just, again, just had a phenomenal service. And all of a sudden I'm getting discouraged. I mean, just a matter of a minute. And the spirit come by, and I'm not going to say it was a mighty rushing wind. It was just a still small voice. Uh, it, it sent a message from God to me, and it said that, that God told me something along the lines of, there's somebody out there for you, but I'm working on your end, and I'm working on her end. And that, hey, that put me back up. Been living by faith ever since I got a promise from God. He's working on my end, and he's been working on my end, trust me. He's working on her end. But anyways, been back on the course correction, doing the best I could, and um I wish i'd wish I'd done more for others. don't get me wrong, of course, made mistakes made a ton of them um been broken hearted been disappointed, but God has still looked after me um I tell you that there's one particular verse that I just it's like I repeat it all the time when I'm going through a going um, you know, through any hard time. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And, and all the time, if I'm facing a hard time or facing a struggle, or in those moments where I get my own head and and, and the doubt starts piling in on me, I just Romans 8, 28, all things worth the good, them that love the Lord, for them that are called for his purpose. I'll just keep telling myself that, keep telling myself that. And then I remind myself, Jesus says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. So if I love God, I should be able to keep his commandments. And if temptation's coming at me at that same time and saying, hey, how about you come do this? How about you come do that? I'll say, well, that's not the commandments of God. I'm not going to do that because then that would show God that I don't love him. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, um, but I from there, uh, just really just living life and trying to be a light for Christ. And then the pandemic happened. And I don't know what it was about that pandemic, but it, it made me so dedicated. It made me more dedicated. It made me just, I, I guess, more, res- had more resolve about me. Our pastor at that time, Dwayne Riles, you know, we took so during the whole pandemic, uh, Chesapeake Baptist Church took one week off. Uh, they had that two week shutdown at the beginning. And let, let me back up and say this too. Uh the week that the week that COVID hit the United States, I was actually helping in a spring revival Up at Community Baptist Church, the place where I got saved with Daniel Sparks. And it was so weird how when you would leave the church house, it's doom and gloom, the end of the world, this is coming to America, it's gonna kill everybody. And then when you came into the church house, it was Spirit of God was moving. God's got a job for you, God's not done, God's gonna watch over you, God's gonna provide. It was it was it was like two different worlds. And really, back in, in that revival, that's where the the idea of this—I'm not going to say the the true idea of this podcast came from—but that's where I first heard Daniel and Tabitha's testimony. Um, he he preached a couple nights up there, mentioning things from his testimony, and it got me really paying attention then about you know, okay, that that is phenomenal. That's a powerful testimony. That deserves to be shared with the world. That that would change someone's life. If somebody's in a low point battling addiction, they can hear how Daniel and Tabitha Sparks overcame addiction, came back to the Lord, and the one message that I'm I'm probably going to remember remember to the day I die was Daniel preached a message. Daniel Sparks preached a message about uh, coming back into the church house from the very same church that knew everything he had done that knew that knew how much he'd hurt uh, people's feelings emotions back in the past and and they he thought going back in that church they were going to judge him and put him in the, put him to shame and kick him out and he said as soon as he walked in the back of that church people came and hugged his neck and I'm thankful you're here today we want you here we love having you here we want you back and I'm telling you I was like amen Daniel preach it again come on do it a, do it on encore say it again brother and that's what, anyways, that's what we need in the church house today. We got enough judgmental Christians out there. You can go out there and judge all you want to. All, anybody who is not going to hurt anybody or cause a disturbance should be welcome to the house of God. That's just my opinion. <clears throat> but anyways, that's really where the seed began to be planted about sharing testimonies, hearing testimonies, recording them, sharing them somehow. I told them that week, y'all need to write a book. And it's it's kind of been an ongoing tongue-to-cheek joke with every time I see Daniel and Tara, or not da- Daniel, Daniel and Tabitha Sparks uh, for, you know, years after that, I was, Hey, how's that book coming along? Hey, y'all really need to write a book. And, <clears throat> and then from there, you know, Tabitha planted the seed about a podcast in my head and, and it's just, they're such a phenomenal couple. And, and I'm so, I'm so happy that we was able to yoke up with them that week and, and, and it was anyways, And but anyways, pandemic hit, the church shut down for a week. Our pastor, Dwayne Ryle, started streaming uh, that very next, that second Sunday after we shut down. And it was just, you know, just a sermon. And then Spring Revival came around and he had asked different home preachers to come and preach up there. He was at a, uh, he was at the Laddie Schoolhouse in Lula, Georgia. It's a little pavilion. And um, my dad was asked to preach one night and he said, son, I want you to go up there with me. If you haven't noticed this yet, there's a theme here. My father has been a positive influence in my life. And I'm so thankful God has blessed me with a spiritual leader in my life. That was my father. That was a good example. I'm going to get to these men here in a second, but my dad said, I want you to come up here with me. He said, I want you to, if you can, I want you to to run the, the, the camera, which is our phone. And that way, you know, Dwayne ain't got to worry about it, and I ain't got to worry about it. You just take care of it and be okay. And I said, okay, I can see what I can do. I didn't know anything about streaming or nothing like that. (coughs) So I went up there, and I had an old iPhone 7 Plus. That was my my favorite iPhone. Um, And we streamed it. And God blessed that whole week. And from there, it started growing. It was just a, you know it'd be the pastor and the preacher and then it was me with the camera and then from there it started growing uh really wasn't huge crowds but we had we had people there to to sing we had a little um electric keyboard and we'd sing a few songs and Dwayne preaching a message and <clears throat> we'd give an altar call and it, it just kept growing it was just like God was in the middle of of the laddie meetings and, and just laddie schoolhouse meetings and um it was, just, it was just fond, fond memories. We was up there if it was hot. We was up there if it was cold. We was up there when it rained. We was up there when it, not really when it snowed, but we was up there when it you was know, sunshine or rain or what have you, hot, cold. We had heaters going. And we were, you know, during the wintertime, we have layers upon layers on. And uh, it was, like I said, fond memories. And um, we got back to the church house after everybody gotten gotten well and everything and um unfortunately my pastor at the time Dwayne Riles, caught covid and and died and um i i had i had I had, had people in my life pass away around me and just it really really affected me it really hurt me um one thing i really didn't i, don't know, I guess i can share I've had three instances of of people that have visited me in my dreams since they've died. My grandpa was one of them on my mom's side. He just kind of died. Suddenly I didn't get a chance to say goodbye. Luke Martin was another one. He was a good friend of mine and he passed away. Suddenly Get didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him. And then Robin Davis was another one. Um, when I got started into pest control he he knew me as a kid and watched me grow up. He knew my mom he worked with her for years and when I started pest control, uh he was working the same company I worked with, and he kind of kind of took me under his wing and kind of was my mentor and showed me the ropes and um of all three of those, I was able to say finally, have some closure and say goodbye um I remember my grandpa. If you ever, he was like six foot two, and if you ever hugged him, he would never bend down. You just you just hugged him, and I'd put my head on his chest, and he'd always just pat my back with one hand. And I remember that dream. I just had an ugly cry, and I told him I missed him, and I loved him, and I woke up. Um, with Luke Martin, it was I say this jokingly, but he, he came to me on a Thursday night. He he, he couldn't wait until Friday night. I had to wake up the next day and go to work being emotionally drained. But he came to me on a Thursday night, and and I was able to hug him and, again, just ugly cry and just say, buddy, I miss you and I love you. And he said it's going to be okay. And yeah, I remember this, and I'm telling you, like I said, I just feel like I need to share some stories I ain't share with nobody. with a few people, but... He says, you got to let me go. I said, I can't let you go, Luke. I said, if I do, I know I'm not going to be able to do this again. He says, it's going to be okay. Just let me go. And I woke up, and I was emotionally drained. That whole next day, I had to go through work just being emotionally drained. If he just waited one more day, uh, I'd have the weekend to recover. And then Robin Davis, when he came to me, um, you know, I just... Never got to say goodbye to him, and uh, I was at a job site. No one knew what I was doing at my job site, but I was there doing something. And he pulled up in the in the work vehicle I actually drive now, and uh, he got out, and I said, "Robin, is that you?" He said, "Yeah, here I am." And this one was kind of strange. I, in my mind, I knew he was dead, but I knew he was there, so I kind of just talk to him for a second i didn't run up and hug him i just talked to him and we carried on the conversation and i got to this point at the job site where i was going to turn the corner of a house and something in me told me that um when i take that corner robin's not going to be there so i turned around and i stuck my hand out and he said what what's this and i said well i'm gonna shake your hand robin he reached out and he shook my hand, I brought him in, I hugged him real close and I just thanked him for being my mentor and thanked him for helping me out um getting started in this business. And you know, said a few more, you know, personal things and we kind of broke the hug and I turned the corner and I was still talking to him and I turned the corner and I turned back around and he was gone. So um but my pastor at the time he he passed away. And I'll say this about those three, I guess, instances. To me, they were blessings. I was able to say goodbye to to three guys that I loved dearly and never had a chance to. But my pastor, at the time he passed away, and the family asked me to to stream the funeral service. And it was at uh, Timber Ridge Baptist Church up in Lula. And we just got through a pandemic. (laughs) We just, uh, I mean, just had this little downtime where, you know, kind of COVID came in waves. So it was kind of at the trough of the wave and they had the funeral and the church house was packed. And I saw then just the, the, during the funeral, God moved. There was shouting during his funeral. The only thing missing was somebody getting saved, I'm being honest with you, but I saw then that if you are a, a truly dedicated, godly man, that God will will bless you and will provide and all things will work for the good for that man that loves the Lord and stays dedicated to him and so I kinda got me really thinking and had a had a burden put on me to to try to be a godly man and And I've tried, Lord knows I've tried, and it hadn't been easy. There was one time I hit a rough patch for about a month. I just couldn't seem to do anything right. I tried to live right, just couldn't seem to do it. Every time I'd do something, I'd mess up. And and I was leaving a buddy's house one night and, and, and been praying that God would help me be a godly man and I was leaving my buddy's house, just feeling defeated. And I, I'm telling you this. Uh, I told the creator himself in a prayer that I prayed on the way home. I said, Lord, just give up on me. I'm a lost cause. Uh, I can't do this. I can't be a godly man. I can't live up to your standards. I can't do this. Just move on. Go spend and dedicate your time to somebody that can do this better than me. Just, just move on past me. I just I can't do it. And about, it wasn't that night, but it was the following Wednesday night I was heading to church. Felt, still felt defeated, felt just deflated, just like I couldn't. I wanted to keep pushing on, that's all I knew to do, but I just didn't feel, just didn't feel connected, I guess. I took the left turn to go on, I think the price road is the road, and going to Chester I know uh, a road I get on to get to Chester but and a uh, uh, that still small voice came back in the truck and it it said son you you're not a lost cause you lost focus. So again another course correction in my life I had to I had to really get down to, to business with God and 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 in that process as well uh, the current pastor at Chester uh, Brother Stevie Barrett, um, he's real big in, in the mission work with Missions from the Mountains. <clears throat> he was able to, uh, well, we was able to at, at Chester T, uh, through God's mercy and grace, was able to set up a mission trip up to Harlan, Kentucky this past December. And up there was able to help uh, a pre-K uh, full of kids, his precious kids and, and their families and was able to first and foremost present the gospel uh tony howard preached a phenomenal message up there one lost soul got saved praise god um but up there it's kind of a story i had not really told many people either um we went there to kind of drop off everything and at the at the pre-k there and was going to he- the youth was going to head back to the soup kitchen help out there but um the following morning, we was kind of getting ready um, for the message, for the service, and, and to hand everything out to the kids, and they asked us if we wanted to go back and meet the kids, and yeah, well, you know, we, we love we love meeting people. I love meeting people, and again, just precious little kids, and we was back there at the, just having breakfast, and I was, I, me being me, I just go in and make myself comfortable, so I pulled up a chair, and I sat right down with those kids, and I was kind of playing with them, and this one little girl just looked at me, and I mean, just being as serious as she could be, she looked at me and she said, "You know, I ain't got no Christmas presents." And I mean, just how much I take things for granted, and and I, I just started fighting back tears, and I just said, "Well, how about we wait just a few minutes and see?" Uh, I, I didn't really know what to say, um, and I had I had to get up and leave at that point. I was I was, it that, I was blindsided. Um. But I experienced every emotion during that mission trip. We helped out in in the soup kitchen. I was blessed to be able to lead a devotional. um, We saw one soul get saved or accept Christ as her Savior. And I just felt every emotion up there between good and bad. And and in my mind, I I see how God has worked things out with Dwayne Riles during the pandemic. He kept preaching about you got to get back out there, you got to keep working for God. And then our very next pastor is, is very involved and is very passionate, very, uh, very passionate to, to go and, and to give the gospel, present the gospel to others, to go out there and, and to be on those mission trips, even do, uh, missions even around our neighborhood. And, um, that's kind of, kind of my testimony. It's just, um, I've been blessed. Don't get me wrong. I've made mistakes and I've, come up short so many different times uh there's there's one uh, particular scripture in, in psalms um i talk about you know the the different verse um in romans eight twenty eight uh this verse in psalms i that, let me just read it it it's it's psalms thirty four eighteen it said, the Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And I know we present that and say, you know, well, that's, you know, salvation kind of thing. But, and I know even when I was talking about when I was lost, I had a broken heart contrite spirit. But even since then, I've had a broken heart several times and uh, I've had that guilty spirit uh, so many times I've, I've messed up, made so many different mistakes, but Time after time, kind of I know I'm jumping different scripture, but time after time, um, I'm able to go back to God whenever I am broken and kind of just give him back the pieces that, that, are, that are broken off of me. It may be a chip. It may be a full-grown, full-blown piece, but uh, time and time again, he's able to kind of mend me back together. And I'm so thankful for that. And Jeremiah chapter 18 is kind of where I get the the pottery image from. And at the potter's house, you know, the the clay was marred in the potter's hands, but he just started over. And in those times where I do bring back those broken pieces, he doesn't shame me. He doesn't, uh, you know, exasperate me. Yeah, there's times he may chastise me, may, you know, make sure that I've learned my lesson, but he doesn't exasperate me. He doesn't throw me away, grind me down to powder. He just begins to mend me back together, and I'm so thankful for that. And that's just been the story of my life. Uh, there's a, there's a, 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 I guess, an artwork of pottery. It's Japanese, and I think it's spelled K I N T S U G I. Let me do a quick Google here. Yes, K I N T S U G I. Um, it's a art style with broken pottery, Japanese art style, where they take uh, broken pottery and they bring it back, they mend it back together with an enamel and they put a, a gold overlay over that enamel. And if you if you Google that and you look at different pieces of, of uh, pottery, whether it be a bowl, a cup, a plate, uh, me personally, I see myself in those pieces of art. Um I see parts of me that have been broken and mended back together through God's help. I see just a broken vessel time after time. coming back to him saying lord i, I messed up again, Lord, I broke again, Lord. I stumbled again, but instead of throwing away that broken piece, and that's oh, useless, we're able to mend mend my life back together and going back to the whole psalms he, hes near to the broken hearted um I heard a guy say it like this, and, and I, I really enjoyed his analogy And on this. Um, the guy that was talking about the scripture, talking about how he liked looking up at stars, and I do too sometimes. It, it really just makes me think about how big God really is. And But anyways, uh, he said in his mind, whenever he gets broken hearted, he likes to think about this image in his head about how God could be light years away working on this star, and Whenever he hears the sound of his child crying out to him with a broken heart um, or whenever he hears the sound of his child's heart break, he just stops what he's doing. And he may allow it to go on through whatever natural means of laws of physics or what have you, but he comes right back right next to where his child is. And there's so many times in my life I've had a broken heart and I've been broken and, and God has been right there next to me the whole time. And I'm able to cry out to him and just say, Lord, I broke again. and He begins to mend me back together. So that's kind of the, that's kind of my testimony. Just, I guess I'm a testimony of how much mercy God has on somebody. Uh, I tell you. And, and and I tell you, God has put on my heart to help disciple men. And, and we see society where the man has taken the back seat and, and, but I tell you, it, it's time for us to go out there and, and to, to teach them and show them what it means to be that spiritual leader. Uh, if we want a revival to start in this country, it starts at home. Uh, it starts with the man. But again, I guess that's just my, my testimony, what God has kind of put on my, my shoulders, the burdens on my heart, to to go out there and to share just how merciful God is through how gracious God is through different testimonies and to go out there and, and to try to disciple men and teach them and show them the right ways to be that spiritual leader. God's blessed me to to be able to lead a men's Bible study every fifth Sunday at my home church. And If you're ever around the area on fifth Sunday night, come on by Chester, we'd love to have you. we got a women's Bible study too, but yeah, I guess, I guess that does sum up my testimonies, just how gracious God is and how much mercy he has and patience he has to his creation, to one of his children. So we're going to close out with a word of prayer. And again, I thank y'all so much for, for tuning in and listening to this episode. Um, I thank you so much for, for being willing to, to listen to Mending Moments. And I I hope and pray that you can share this with somebody and, and Not so much this episode, but any other episode. And let them hear about these moments where God intervened and God made a way when there there was no way. And how God just took broken hearts and broken lives and kind of mended them back together. Because he's done my... He's mended my heart and my life back together so many times. And it's just... It's been amazing. And I've even... I've I've really been amazed just going back and reliving these moments in my mind. (laughs) So let's close out with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for bringing up these, these precious memories, for giving us the the, the time and the, and the liberty to be able to talk about these things and share them. Lord, I pray that no one gets the impression that Andrew's trying to talk about himself and see how look who I am. But Lord, I I pray that, Lord, they see the true meaning that just trying to lift up your name. And Father, we pray that's all that we do in our life is that we lift up your name. Um, We don't want people to see us. We don't want people to remember our names. We want them to remember yours. Uh, Father, I do pray that, Lord, you continue, Lord, to to be with each and every one that's listened to this and help them in their life and help them through their tough times and uh, those moments where they have those broken pieces, that, Lord, you would just take them back and just begin to mend them back together. Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd stay near to those brokenhearted and help them to cry out to you. Father, we pray. I do pray, Lord, you'd be with this podcast, and help us, Lord, just to go out and reach a lost soul somewhere. Father, we pray and point them to you. And Lord, I do pray, Lord, you forgive me, Lord, of my sins and my shortcomings where I failed you. And help me to learn from my mistakes, Lord, and be that much brighter of a light for you and all that we do. Go with us, go before us, prepare the way and help us through all things. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you give us strength to endure. (laughs) Lord, I thank you again for your mercy and your grace and your love and all that you've done for us all that you blessed us with. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.